Good evening and welcome to our revival service tonight. If you would stand, we'll open in a word of prayer tonight. Brother Leva, would you pray for us, please? Join us in singing hymn number 134, My Anchor Holds.
Let's turn over to hymn number 410, Faith is the Victory. The storm raged about them, the 
disciples were afraid for the waves were high and the ship was tossed they could not find their way then when they awoke the master saying lord please save us now he rebuked the on God in prayer when it seemed to me all hope was gone and in my deep despair I remembered what the Lord said when he calmed that troubled sea and I know what's more how he sees the storm and peace floods over me
could stand once again, we'll sing hymn number 89, Does Jesus Care? Hymn number 89.
Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight and have each one of you with us. Going to have uh, the Wells kids come and sing for us, and then Brother Wells is going to be preaching uh, right as soon as they're over. So, kids, if you remember, we're going to take an offering for these kids on Wednesday night. Bring more than just, you know, small change. singing that again tomorrow night. <laughs> um, I don't like to really say what I'm going to be preaching the next night, but um, of course I've been in church for a little while and I've uh, never really heard a message on um, heaven, a revival, revive my heart for heaven, revive my heart for heaven. So I'm going to try and preach that tomorrow night. I uh, really wanted to preach on time tonight because time is something we all have and some of us don't have as much as we think we have, but uh, Lord just really pointed my heart, my heart another direction. Um, Man, but I really wanted to preach on time. Uh, let me just say this. I like what one man said about time, that uh, we may talk about killing time, but remember, time has no resurrection. That's all you'll get concerning a message on time. 
Use it wisely. Use it wisely. I'm glad you're here tonight. Um, glad you're here tonight. Glad you came back for a second night. Uh, an honor to be here. Uh, we are really thrilled about being here. I'm glad to have my family with me. As our, my kids were sitting there just watching, I thought about the kids who are here. I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a privilege to be in the ministry. I don't think we hear that enough. Uh, it's a privilege to be in the ministry. Uh, it's hard <laughs> sometimes, but it's a privilege. It really is. God called you to the ministry. Accept that and enjoy that and have a good time with that. I believe God will use young people. There's some things that y'all do different in Kansas that we don't do in Texas. Uh, for instance, when we were driving around, um, there's this thing that y'all do here. Y'all replace stoplights and stuff with this thing called a roundabout. That guy should be fired. Okay? <laughs> that guy should be fired. I don't know who invented that, but you better not take that to Texas. Glad you're here. Got a good crowd. Looks like uh, most of yesterday and even some guests. I'm not the pastor. I hope you know that, but come back Sunday when you hear him preach because he's the one who's going to answer the phone in the middle of the night and he'll do the funeral and he'll, I'm telling you, that's the man here, okay? So you, you know, I really mean that and I'm going to say, that's all I'll say right now about that, but really want you to be here Wednesday night. Um, I want to try and preach some things, I guess, that would be, um, I don't know, shoe leather Christianity, something you can kind of strap on and use tomorrow. Um, so Sunday school was, somebody asked me, what's my titles? I don't really title stuff, but I went back and I was thinking about it. It's uh, Revive My Heart for Both My Brides. <laughs> but it's practical. It's practical. Re revive My Heart for Both My Brides. Reviving Fathers. Reviving Faithfulness. Tonight would be just simply this. Revive My Communication. Uh, revive My Communication. Uh, revive Communication right here in the home. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 3. And then also hold your place in Proverbs 25. When you hear me say Proverbs 25, you know we're almost done, okay? Uh, we're almost done. So I know that there's a Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, if you could be here tomorrow night, I really, I really think tomorrow night would be, an, man, I'm telling you, a real encouragement. I want to preach on heaven tomorrow night. But after you found James chapter 3, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. You're going to hold your place in Proverbs 25. When you hear me get to that, uh, you know, hey, we're almost done here. And I won't keep you long. I'm not a long-winded preacher. I was kind of taught like this. If you can't make a point in about 35 minutes, you probably can't make one in, in an hour. So uh, that's just my philosophy. And I think his is kind of the same way. So we're right on, on track there. James chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, My brethren... <clears throat> Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3 says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a... Very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire, on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell." For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. 
Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He just says it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Lord, tonight, just pray that you bless our time together again. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. James is clearly uh, dealing with how we communicate, how we communicate, how we communicate. There was a Polish man who had married an American girl, and his English wasn't very good, and uh, they had gotten along pretty good. And one, one day he rushes into the lawyer's office and asks him to arrange a divorce for him and his wife. Not really understanding the request, the lawyer says that getting a divorce would depend on some circumstances, and he asked the Polish man uh, a few questions. He says, have you, and the lawyer says, have you any grounds for this divorce? Do you have any grounds for this divorce? The Polish man says, yes, an acre and a half and a nice little home. The lawyer goes on, he says, no, I mean, what is the foundation of this case? Polish man says, it made of concrete. <laughs> I don't think you understand. Neither of you have a real grudge. Says, no, we have carport and need not grudge. Says, says, I mean, what are your relations like? What are your relations like? Says, says all my relations real nice and still in Poland. Says, is there any infidelity in your marriage? Says, we have high fidelity stereo and good DVD player. <laughs> Does your wife beat you up? No, I always up before her, he says. Sir, why do you want this divorce? He says, she going to kill me. What makes you think that? I got proof. He says, what kind of proof? She going to poison me. She buy a bottle at drugstore and put it on shelf in bathroom. I can read English pretty good, and it say Polish remover. <laughs> hey, words matter, friend. Words matter. They certainly do. For a long time, people have been trying to communicate. Whether you're talking about the hieroglyphs there in Egypt or, there, uh, or the, uh, the huts of the Indians there in the West, I joke with my wife a lot. She's from Oklahoma, and uh, she, of course, like around here, there's a lot of Indians and stuff, but Oklahoma's known for their Indians, and when we first got married, we would travel into Oklahoma to see her family sometimes, and uh, it seems like they're always burning something in Oklahoma, a farmer's doing something, so I'd always, I've learned better now, uh, apparently not, <laughs> but I'd always be like, hey, sweetheart, uh, tell me what that smoke signal is over there. <laughs> uh, she didn't have that much Indian in her, but uh, smoke signals, those would be used to communicate as well. And then there's pigeons. Maybe you've seen someone like a homing pigeon, they use those to carry messages. And then there was the Pony Express, and they would use that on horseback. And hey, that was pretty good when you put a message on a horse and it, would, it sped things up. And then there was the telegraph, and that came really after Morse code. 
The radio was invented in about 1864, and then there was the, uh, the telephone. Then there was a the telephone. Okay, kids, y'all don't know what that is, but back in the day, uh, there was this thing stuck to the wall with a cord, right? Y'all remember that? It was about 30 foot long for y'all that wanted uh, privacy. So there was the telephone. We used that to communicate. And then some of y'all that really don't have any idea what I'm talking about, we used to have this thing called a beeper. <laughs> some of y'all do. Uh, some of y'all also, that if you had a, a pager or a beeper, your parents thought you were in a gang, right? You're not getting one of those. You're in a gang. It looked like you're in a gang. And uh, remember, when you take a pager and you could, you could, if you did it just right, you could put certain numbers, certain numbers in the in the pager. You'd flip it upside down and you could read a message. You know what I'm talking about? I'm moving right along. Okay, y'all have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Well, we try and communicate with that. We try and communicate with those type of things. Then there was text messages, and then there was social media and things like that. And I'm just telling you, nothing, nothing beats a good old-fashioned conversation. You know what I mean? We can just sit down and talk to somebody. I think every relationship at some point has kind of gone through the silent treatment, right? Uh, I'm not, maybe it doesn't last very long, but it's lasted, at least for a couple of minutes. Sometimes people go a couple of weeks, and that's rough. Uh, but there was a, I was reading a story about a, a married couple. They had an argument, and uh, they didn't want to give in. Neither one of them wanted to give in, and he had to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting, and he thought he needed his wife's help to get up that morning. He had to get up about 5 o'clock in the morning, but he didn't want to break the silence, so he wrote on a piece of paper, uh, please wake me up at 5 a.m. in the bathroom. He wrote a note there. The next morning, the man woke up, and he was late. He found that he'd missed his plane. He rolls out of bed. He's missed his plane. It's about 9 o'clock, and the uh, plane's long gone. He was about to, he was going to find his wife, and he was going to demand some answers why she didn't wake him up when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed, and it said this, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> One marriage counselor said that 80% of those who come in for counseling about marriage have a problem that roots in this right here, poor communication, poor communication. One man said this, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. I've done that before. I'd be like, I, I could have swore I told you that. And she'll say, you did not tell me that. You did not tell me that. Frankly's law says this, if there is any way it can be misunderstood by someone, somewhere, sometime, it will be misunderstood. When communication is nowhere to be found, its cousin assumption is close by with all the answers. Yeah, you don't communicate, you start making some assumptions and things like that. Remember when, uh, when Jennifer and I began uh, dating and we were getting interested and things of that nature, she'd, uh, well, I don't know, hey, look, she told me not to talk about her, which means she walked right into it. <laughs> but y'all did too. When you started dating, remember you'd spend uh, hours on the phone, hours on the phone. You, some of y'all have to think back further. Maybe uh, there was the phone, all right, so there was the phone. You'd spend hours talking on the phone and just talking about nothing. Just at some point, it'd get deep into the night, and listen, all you'd be doing was listening to each other breathe. You know what I mean? And then as time went on, you know, you, it'd get real serious, and maybe it'd go something like this, uh, you say it. You know what I'm talking about. I love you part. You say it. And, and, then, and then you'd say it. I'm just saying this right here. Hey, listen, what happened to those days? 
What happened to those days when you wanted to hear from your spouse and you wanted to hear from those in your family? Listen, uh, lady, let me help you. Don't speak code to your husband, okay? We're straightforward, all right? There, I mean, what you see is what you get. I'm gonna, this is true right here. Please, I'm, I'm trying to help here. Listen, if both of you are sitting on the couch and, and watching a movie at home and she says, she says this, do you want some ice cream? She's not asking for ice cream. She's implying this. I've got it the last 27 times. Would you go get it? <laughs> Guys are different. Guys are different. Guys are like this. Honey, while you're up, would you please grab me whatever right there? And that's all that we mean. But words are really, really important. Proverbs says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is when I'm talking to people, especially church members, I think your preacher's probably the same way. Man, we, we line up on a lot of things, but especially when I'm talking to people at church, or especially my family as well. Listen, you know why people don't want to speak? Here's why. Here's the number one reason I think sometimes people don't want to speak. Because they're afraid that what's going to be said is going to be used as ammunition against them later. That makes sense? They're afraid that what's being said is going to be used as ammunition against them later. But by, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, I, I like what it's saying right there. In other words, we have to live with the consequences of what we say. The word belly is a figure of speech for the man himself. In other words, he's saying, when a man swallows something, oh, don't let me lose you already. When a man swallows something, he's going to deal with the consequences because it may come back up. You eat a Carolina Reaper, man, I'm telling you, you're going to pay for that. Uh, then at the same time, he's saying, hey, what goes in, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna deal with the consequences of it. At the same way, just as importantly as what goes in our mouth, he's saying what comes out of our mouth also is very important as well. What he's telling us, what the Bible's telling us there. So James begins telling us about the tongue and how it's unruly and the damage it can do. In verse number two, he says this, for in many things we offend all. I like what it says there. He says, he says we offend all. Yeah, this is written to believers, and James is saying we all offend. That means Sunday school teachers offend. That means pastors sometimes can say the wrong thing. That means, hey, James is saying we offend all. No one's above this thing uh, called offense. And saying, anybody ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time? Oh, mercy alive. Who, who hasn't? But he says in many things we offend all. Listen, I, uh, what bothers me just a little bit is sometimes people can get a, maybe offended by something at church, and then the next thing you know, pastor's thinking, man, I wonder if they're going to go somewhere. I wonder if they were offended by that, and they're going to go somewhere else, and things like that. And yet, here's my, here's, my, here's my rebuttal. Maybe it's yours. But I think to myself, man, people can get cussed out at work, and they've got to go back the next day and work it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? For 30 years, I'll go work it out the same job by people who hate them. Yet sometimes someone gets offended at church and they want to go somewhere else. That just doesn't make sense to me. I can't comprehend that. He says, in many things we offend all. Uh, listen, maybe you've heard it before. Uh, maybe you've heard someone say something like this. Uh, you don't have to worry about what I think. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's, I wouldn't brag about that. Uh, one person said this. I'll just give them a piece of my mind. And another one said, well, you don't have enough pieces to give away. <laughs> Proverbs says, a fool uttereth all his mind fool uttereth all his mind. Hey, listen, we're going to be accountable for every word we speak, so it'd be good for us to control our tongue. It reveals a lot about a man's heart. 
a woman's heart as well. Hey, Luke said this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth, fruit, or bringeth that forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So it's a small instrument, yet it's extremely powerful. All right, so I know it's Monday night, and I know you have to be somewhere tomorrow morning, but stick with me. In verse number three, here's what he says. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. That's what he tells us. So James begins to illustrate the impact that the tongue has and he makes it in relation to the body. Uh, he's saying this little thing has, uh, can, oh, is very powerful, is what he's saying. It's very powerful. When I was in sixth grade, we went on this field trip. They took us to a cement factory. And what they did was they took us out on the backside of the property. And uh, they were going to show us how they were going to make cement. And one by one, they, if this was like a, a rock cliff wall, what they did was they drilled down uh, into the ground, I don't know how far they went, but they would do it, I don't know, a couple of feet away from the edge. And every so many feet, they would drill down into the wall, and then somehow they timed it, and the dynamite would go off. And did you see the whole wall go across, one at a time. Listen, I guess what, he's saying, what I'm trying to say is this right here. For a little piece of dynamite, my friend, that's very powerful. And for someone who's, I don't know, 200 pounds, the tongue only weighs maybe a couple ounces, yet it's extremely powerful. Death and life are in the power of a tongue. Listen, you can undo in just a moment what's taken for a long time to build up with just one sentence, with one statement. Listen, with one word, with one statement, uh, 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 a child can be reduced to about two inches. You know what I mean? A wife can be reduced, to, uh, she can be nailed to the wall with just one statement. He's just saying this, this one little instrument called our tongue is extremely, extremely powerful. He says, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. He says, hey, we put a bit in a horse's mouth, upwards of a thousand pounds, this little thing in their mouth. Your, your tongue is extremely powerful. It's about two and a half ounces. Average man may weigh 200 pounds. He says in verse 4, that, hey, to, to direct the ship. He says, so it is with the tongue. He says, it boasts great things in verse number 5. Hey, listen. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there was a guy who used to play for the Cowboys, and somebody asked, hey, who's your, who's your, who's your team? And I'm from Texas. It's just how it is. Uh, but right about now, I'd like to be a Chiefs fan. You know what I mean? I'm doing pretty good. I'm one of the, hey, I'm for who's winning at the time. Terrell Owens would say this when he played for the Cowboys. He'd say, I love me some me. I love me some me. That's exactly what, uh, very humbly, right, he'd say that. He says, hey, we boast great things. It's easy for someone to toot their own horn. You know what I mean? That's what James is saying here. Someone with their own mouth, they can toot their own horn. They can toot their own horn. They do just that. We have the ability to do that. One man said, hey, when you sing your own praise, your tune is always too high. Another one said this, don't toot your own horn. It's, it isn't the whistle that pulls the train. So he says this tongue has the ability to boast great things. But then not only that, not only is it powerful, he says it's very dangerous. He says, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. 
And the tongue is a fire, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Maybe you remember history class, the, the fire of uh, 1871, uh, the fire of 1871, Chicago fire of 1871. They say that that fire began, uh, well, let me just read the notes here. Um, this lady, they say that it began in a barn, and as I understand it, there was about 17,000 structures that came down. Back then, most of it was built by wood, some of them close together, things like that. They say that about 300 people died and 100,000 were uh, displaced. They became homeless. It cost about $200 million worth of damage. The disaster, it prompted an outbreak of looting and rioting and things like that. And they enacted, they enacted what was called back then martial law. We just thought that was a conspiracy. They did that back then. They did martial law back then, and it ended, I believe, after about three weeks, they finally lifted martial law, and they say, here's how it started. One little lantern did all that, did all that damage, did all that damage. So maybe I'm quick with the application, but let me say this right here. There's damage, uh, just like damage, listen, I'm not a tree hugger, but listen, there's some times where you go, man, that's just pretty out there. That part of the country that's pretty, and then maybe you'll drive by a few weeks and go, man, what happened here? Somebody flip out a cigarette, somebody light something, maybe a campfire, and it's just reduced to nothing. Just like that. Just like that. Just, it's what he's saying right here. Behold how little matter of fire kindleth. He's just saying, hey, just like that, it can all be gone. He says that's how the tongue is. Damage by a fire or just a few words. Listen, damages relationships, damages marriages. Listen, Churches have problems, all because of miscommunication. I'll tell you, there's one thing that, uh, oh, I've heard grandparents at our church say something like this. Maybe their extended loved ones would say something like this. You're, you're dead to me. Ouch. Ouch. You talk about just setting the forest on fire. You've just wiped that out. Teenagers sitting across the house in their room refusing to speak to their parents. We're living in crazy days, my friend, when teenagers can go in there and basically assault their parents because they didn't get the iPhone that they wanted. That's the stuff that's happening out there, just craziness. Speaking to their parents like, man, I'm telling you, my mom didn't write anything in Proverbs, but I'm telling you, she'd say stuff like, we're still recording this thing. <laughs> I could not get away with saying some things that are said today. That's all I'm saying. Who wants to meet my mother? <laughs> words, words. He says this in verse 7. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. I got to thinking about that and I did a little research on that this afternoon. Right? So here's what they've done with some animals that they've tamed. Uh, they had this thing called war elephants, uh, war elephants. Uh, they would take elephants, and they would, Alexander the Great would do stuff like this. He would take these elephants, and he would train them, and he would use them in his army to stomp people and run through uh, objects and things of that nature. So they would do this with war elephants, and then they would also mount a machine gun on top of the elephant. It could absorb a few more punches and shots and things like that. So they would, they would train these elephants 
Then there was also, uh, check it out, there's mine hunting dolphins as well. They'll be, they have the ability to go find mines and things like that. And this is probably, if I'm weird like this, there was this thing called anti-tank dogs. And what in the world was that? Back during World War II, the Soviets, uh, they took about 40,000 dogs and they were deployed for all kinds of tasks by the army. Here's what they would do. They would starve these dogs. They would starve these dogs. And then they would train them that the food was going to be located underneath the tank. Right? So that's what they would do. And here's what, here was the whole goal. What they would, they'd take these dogs. They'd train them. They'd starve them. They'd put this food under the tank so that when they saw the tank, they'd know that, hey, that's where I'm going to find food. So here's what they would do. They would put this lever on the back of a dog, um, like a little trip, right? Something like that. And then they would strap this, uh, they would strap basically a bomb to the dog so that when the dog, they would starve it before it was time to go in. And then when they'd see the tank, they would run up to it with the little antenna up. And then when it would go under the tank, it'd go like this, boom. And then it went to doggy heaven. <laughs> you know what I mean? All for the goal of basically disabling the tank. Here was the problem. They trained with their Soviet tanks, not the German tanks. So when the war started, that was the plan on day one, and it was scrapped on day two. They've trained dogs to do things mind-blowing. and uh, Then there are war pigs as well. War pigs. You say, what's a war pig? It's true. Check it out. Uh, what they would do is they would, they would douse pigs in like, a, uh, like an oil. And here's what Alexander the Great did there. He took these pigs, he lit them on fire, like a barbecue, a Kansas barbecue. <laughs> he lit these pigs on fire, and then he would run them into the war elephants. And then with that, what would happen then is these war elephants would stomp all over their own people. I'm just saying they've trained animals to do amazing things. I think it's pretty amazing the things they've done. And then they would have pigeon-guided missiles. Pigeon-guided missiles. There's bat bombs. We'll train a bat to carry some bombs. Soldier bears. Soldier bears. Bears that acted as a soldier. The Bible tells us the tongue can no man tame. Except God. Except God. Spurgeon said this, when I hear of someone losing his temper, I, I always pray that he may not find it again. Such tempers are best lost. Such tempers are best lost. Like what he says there. The source, he says, hell. That's the hell. It's hell. Listen, I don't know, but I would imagine maybe someone here tonight's setting their home on fire with statements like this. You're just like your mother. You're just like your father. Or statements like, well, you always do this, or you never do that. Or maybe a husband to a wife, you're always in a bad mood. Or, you just don't think. You just don't think. Something like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? All you ever do is complain. I can't do anything to please you. You're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you deserve. Why don't you ever listen to me? Why don't you ever listen to me? This one doesn't help. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? You're impossible to make happy. I don't know why I put up with you. I don't know why I put up with you. Here's one. If you don't like it, 
you can just leave. If you don't like it, you can just leave. That was so stupid of you. All you ever do is think of yourself. You always have to be right. Listen, what she needs to hear, what she needs to hear is this right here. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm not going anywhere. You leave me, I'm leaving with you. <laughs> you know what that does? That creates some security in their hearts. It builds a good home. It creates a revival in the home. It's called security. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. I tell Jennifer that. Sometimes I'll, I'll tell her. Actually, I call her my lady. <laughs> I tell my lady all the time. I say, how to a guy like me get a girl like you? I tell her that sometimes, and she'll say something like this. She was married her just after she graduated college, and how a guy like me get a girl like you? And she said this. I remember the first time she said this. Didn't have any other prospects. <laughs> Ouch. Burn. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The tongue. <laughs> Can no man tame. Listen, a wife needs to say to her husband, one of those stay-at-home moms, needs to say something like this. Thank you for going to work and every, every day putting up with those crazy people just to provide for us so that I can stay home take care of my kids, our kids. Thank you for going to work every day and working hard for our family. Want to set a church on fire? Gossip. Gossip. I don't know who said it. I don't know who to give credit to. But I read it and it said, The Christian army is the only one that shoots its wounded. Set a church on fire? Gossip. A guy named Tyrone Barfield, church planner in Texarkana. He's a, he's a black guy and he said this. He said, Gangs on the street take people back in faster than some churches. Whoa, never thought about it like that. Gangs on the street take people back in faster than some churches. You set a church on fire, gossip. You want to revive it? Here's a few statements. Thank you for helping me through a hard time way back then, preacher. Thanks for being our pastor. Uh, how about, I know I haven't been real dependable here lately, but I want to do better. I want to change that. Thank you for doing that funeral for me, or thank you for doing that funeral for my cousin or someone in the workplace. Want to change that? Preacher, you can count on me. You can count on me. Worst thing a person can say after they've lost someone is something like this. We ended on bad terms. We ended on bad terms. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 25, verse number 11. Just one verse I want to read to you. 25 and verse 11, the Bible says, A word fitly spoken. I still hear pages turning. That, that's a good sound. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. The word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So what, what's that about? What the writer here is saying is, Sometimes you could look at a picture and go, man, that's just amazing. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. There's just some pictures that make you go, man, that's just amazing. Well, Proverbs is saying this right here. In the same way that we can look at a picture 
and it created in us this awe, words have the ability to do the same thing in our ear. So he says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. I like it because it says fitly, and that means it's just on time. Something was said at just the right time, and it does something in the ear that was just like, man, I needed to hear that. Thank you for telling me that. But it goes further and says, fitly spoken. I wrote it in my notes like this. There is a difference between thinking it and saying it. It's spoken. There's a difference between thinking it and saying it. I've told you a lot about my family. I told you a little bit about my dad. Somebody asked yesterday, whatever, what was the story? My dad, as, as, as messed up as our childhood was, he got cancer and things were wonderfully restored. While he was on the hospital bed, uh, one among many times, listen, he said something I've never heard before. I was 40 when he said the first time, I can remember him saying this, I'm proud of you. 40. That might not be a big deal for you, but for a 40-year-old man, uh, if Jesus heard at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, if Jesus heard it, you can guarantee your kids need to hear it. I was 40 before I heard him say that. I told him this. I've never heard you say that. And he said, I've always been proud of you. What I'm saying is thinking it is not the same as saying it. We often equate thinking with saying. Listen, in your house, it's not good enough just to think it. You need to say it. You need to say it. Someone once said, marriages may be made in heaven, but the maintenance must be done on earth. Be done on earth. Really kind of dealt with the husband-wife relationship. I know you've got a healthy home, you've got a healthy church. I'm telling you, there's things that need to be said to children, things that ought not to be said to children. I am convinced that the devil is at his best when it's time to go to church. I'm telling you, that's when tempers. Them kids will ever find their shoes, glory, hallelujah. You know what I mean? <laughs> they can ever get in the car all at the same time. You know what I mean? That's when you're liable to say some things that just frustrated and stuff like that. An apology goes a long way. Here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Listen, before I was ever pastoring, before I was ever preaching, I sat where you sat, which means this right here. We'd have disagreements. There was just something wonderful about, although we rode to church uh, frustrated with each other, and then we walked in smiling, <laughs> hey, brother, how are you? And uh, we did all that. But something about sitting right there when the invitation time came, we could come to an altar, and we could pray together, and we didn't have to arm wrestle at the altar, but we could just pray together and get up and go, well, why are we still arguing about that, and why, is, why are we still disagreeing about that? Just leave it right there. So here in a moment, we'll have an invitation. And maybe something's been said in your home, or not been said. Maybe an altar time would be an opportunity for just that. Why don't you stand? We'll have a verse of invitation here in just a moment. How long has it been since you've been to an altar? How long has it been since you prayed with your spouse and husband? Maybe maybe an apology is in order to your children. Maybe an apology is in order from children to their parents. 
I really dealt with mom and dad, but I do know this, children have mouths as well. Regrettable things that have been said, maybe mom and dad would be fitly spoken just to hear, sorry about that, couldn't have said that, or tonight, pray you bless invitation, speak to hearts as only you can, but thank you for the word that was made flesh, we've talked a lot about communication, but truth be told, the word became flesh and died for us, and maybe there's one here tonight that's not saved, I uh, think about the Philippian jailer and how harsh he was towards his family, all that changed at salvation. This giant of a beast who was beating others became a gentle man in the home who was ministering to the needs of others. Maybe those harsh words have turned into action and wrath and physical. Lord, heaven help us. Lord, help us pray for that home. Maybe they're the one that needs to be saved. Maybe, maybe that's the case. Well, I don't know how you've dealt with hearts tonight. I pray that you'd help us to guard our mouth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to encourage where we can. Help us to keep silent where we should. Certainly thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would ask that you remember to pray for Miss Kathy as uh, she is recuperating, and hopefully in the next couple of days she'll be able to go home. 
And uh, so just remember to pray for her. I know she would appreciate those prayers. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. God's so good to us. And uh, revival just flies by. we got two tiny nights left. Done. And so uh, hopefully you're planning to be here and uh, be a part and let the Lord just speak to you. Um, Brother Lawler, why don't you dismiss us in a word? That's a good person.